Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. My fuckers, welcome back. And thanks for being here to learn about what's been roughing up your relationships for a while now. So last month, we talked about some of the obstacles to forming authentic, connective, healing relationships when we have histories of PTSD. Of course, we have complex feelings about letting other people into our worlds. We've learned to be suspicious and self-protective. Those trends start early on in life, and we might even be able to trace our disorganized attachment to specific events with our caregivers. Then, down the line, we tend to receive additional confirmation that humans equal danger, when our later relationships are similarly patterned, and we end up validating our own fears about our species and revealing ourselves to it, creating self-limiting programs that stop us from connecting with others, which unfortunately means we're not healing our trauma, we're living in the rigid, self-defensive aftermath of it. So this month... We're talking about the depths of having a successful social life issue from your insides out. The key point being, with these childhood experiences, memories, and unmet needs under our skulls, we don't stand much of a chance of forming healthy relationships until we do something that most of us spend our entire lifetimes avoiding. We have to get vulnerable, intimate, and trusting enough with ourselves to explore, acknowledge, and understand the childhood relationship demons we are still carrying. Otherwise, we are pretty well doomed to project our pain onto others, shutting down our interactions for the sake of keeping our nasty bits hidden from them and ourselves, and recreate cycles of abuse that validate the unresolvable nature of our unmet needs and fucked-up core beliefs about being unworthy. 
In doing so, we create vicious cycles of confirming our childhood traumas as being about us and therefore believe we have no chance at ever breaking the bad relationship pattern. We give up and accept whatever we get. Zero relationships or abusive ones. Meaning, it is mandatory to understand your own inner wounds from childhood and beyond before you can relate to others in the ways that trauma recovery psychology says we should. We quite literally cannot be externally vulnerable, intimate, or trusting if we can't even do the same within ourselves. So, the problem all starts in our upbringings, our early development. As we forge our way into toddlerdom, our task is to understand ourselves as being separate from others. Our brain first begins to realize that we are different entities from our parents, and that means we need a fundamental understanding of who and what we are, if not our caregivers. And this is where we start sucking up all the information we can gather from other people. We read into their interactions with us and take the data that's being presented as reflections of us. We use the ways that others treat us to form conscious ideas about ourselves, our identities, and our worth. Which is really fucking problematic. Because we're forming personality templates and self-judgments based on these early life relationships while not accurately realizing that those relationship dynamics are actually presenting information about them, our caregivers, more than us, the children. We take their projections, who they believe we need to be based on their own histories, and we bring them internally into our own cognitive structuring and belief system. We learn who we are and who we're supposed to be in order to compensate for our assumed weaknesses and to capitalize on our learned strengths. And we learn to hide the other aspects of us that have received punishment in those relationships, deciding that these are unacceptable characteristics, thoughts, feelings, and memories to reveal to others. This is how we form conscious identities, egoic identities, the templates for who we strive to be, and also unconscious identities, schemas and particular characteristics that we try to repress ourselves from being. The problem is, all of them contain a lot of fear, self-judgment, self-scorn, and uncertainty. None of them feel authentic to us because they aren't. They're learned expressions and oppressions of us. And therefore, they feel dangerous to question or explore more deeply since our brains have been increasingly assessing these hidden and preferred identities as necessary for survival since our early days of conscious awareness interacting with our caregivers. We needed to be certain people in order to gain the love, support, and life-giving resources of our parents early on, and that's left a lasting impression. 
we feel like questioning who we present ourselves as and what aspects of us lie masked below the surface will cause the world to crumble. First, by causing us to crumble, and then by revealing our worst parts to other people. Now, when we connect with someone closely, we have a major issue going on. Those unwanted characteristics and repressed identities are still inside of us. Unfortunately, relationships are a fast track to bringing them to the surface, since that's how they were created. And we know it. We've all seen it by now. Am I right? I can tell you, my relationships do not make me feel especially proud of who I end up being. All the trauma reactions come up. The domestic nature of my trauma means close, connective, daily relationships get filtered through the family of origin framework, and then suspicious, tense, insecure relationship dynamics are highly likely to develop and never go away. Plus, being highly trauma-informed means I'm even more afraid of transmitting my bullshit to others. I feel responsible to spare everyone from the inevitable stress and full personality reveal. And I've assessed myself as probably not really relationship material yet because of it. So if we can't confront all the personality aspects and trauma programmings that we carry internally, but have a well-informed sense of responsibility for our actions as they can affect others externally, we don't have too many options. We either protect everyone from that feared event by having none relationships or by staying distant and shut down in relationships. And this is where our parts really come in. Now, go back to that internal family system conversation we've been having and the prior episodes on parts. Hit up those shows if you do not know what the fuck I'm talking about, because it is the crux of the rest of this conversation. So, the repressed, often subconscious portions of us are our exiled parts. We don't want them to emerge in relationships because we don't want them to emerge fucking period. We hide them from us, let alone letting others see them. Our exiles often want relationships because they're still holding unmet needs that were supposed to be fulfilled by our early caregivers. But They're also scarred by the memories of having those needs weaponized against us by our families of origin and beyond. So we can't see our own unfulfilled needs, relationship pains, or fears of humans as we repress these portions of our memories. They just fester away and pop up at the worst goddamn times, as we're triggered in a historical way to suddenly recall the rejection, neglect, and abuse experienced at the hands of others. Meanwhile, our protective manager parts are the conscious, more acceptable identities that we formed. We want those to be seen, and only those. 
They are, to some extent, aware of the subconscious identities that they're attempting to compensate for, and they do everything possible to shield against the threat of those undesirable personality aspects becoming revealed. So we expect and require our manager parts to be validated by others, to prove to ourselves that this is who we really are. We're fine. <laughs> Meaning, if those templates aren't validated continually, we're deeply challenged by the relationship because it threatens our own safety and worthiness. Therefore, our protector parts use unfair, self-defensive tactics to try to manage other people's perceptions of us and our perception of ourself, leading to an array of issues such as projection, stonewalling, and strategic withdrawal. And all the while, our distractor parts show their faces to inject chaos, numbing, and trauma bonding into the relationship so it can keep chugging along despite the inner tumult being created by the manager and exiled parts' fights that are taking place. Having some less favorable aspects of self coming to the awareness of everyone in the relationship, feeling overwhelmed, emotionally flooded, recollectively triggered, and discombobulated by your own relational behaviors, welp, your system can always create new problems to distract from the real issues taking place. Get drunk, disassociate into a screen, start a brand new red herring fight, or create life chaos that forces everyone in the relationship to band together to overcome it. And hey, no one is looking at your unwanted parts anymore, including you. So with this going on, what chance do our relationships really have? I mean, not much. We're doomed to replay power dynamics, strategic interpersonal rejections, self-sabotaging habits, and repetitive abuses in our partnerships, and then use the unsuccessful attempts as additional evidence of our inability to be in relationship or as evidence that we only attract abusers externalizing the problem to be an uncontrollable mishap that dominates our lives. Either way, we're missing the real point. We are not completely responsible for our relationship challenges. We are not incapable of change. We aren't inherently unworthy or broken. We aren't monsters. Our repressed personality aspects are not evidence that we need to keep ourselves safely encaged away from the rest of the species forever. But we're also not innocent victims of relationships. We don't just happen to fall into the same dynamics time and time again. We aren't incapable of recreating abuse ourselves either becoming the abuser or projecting our exiled wounds onto others so they eventually have to become the abuser. For instance, coming from a neglectful upbringing and now being unable to see the ways our partners are there for us in the present, 
thus creating an anxious attachment style that gives them all the power and creates an imbalanced, often abusive dynamic. We are responsible for what we bring to relationships, and unfortunately, that means we have to be well acquainted with the conscious and unconscious aspects of us before the relationship, as well as being very open to discovering more about those parts throughout the relationship. We need to be self-accountable which means we need to have internal vulnerability, intimacy, and trust to accept all those pieces of us. All our unmet needs, our accurate and inaccurate self-judgments, our self-defense strategies, which can be very conflictual, numbing, or self-sacrificial. We need to be aware of our preferred projection of self as well as the parts that we don't want anyone to see, to understand their pains and the ways that they require us to try to manage others so that we can avoid that pain. Otherwise, we're doomed to recreate it over and over again, or to withdraw from the species so we can avoid the looping stories of relationship defeat and self-disappointment. So. Doing deep, ongoing inner work all the way into the subconscious is a necessary part of successful and healing relationships, or else we're fated to fall into, quote, mutual hellscapes with unresolvable conflict with others, as both of our preferred and repressed identities bounce off of each other creating spiraling cycles of mutual destruction that no one understands or has the tools to rectify. And that is what we'll be talking about next month. Yes, you need to be aware of your parts and how they're replaying past dynamics in the present, but let's not forget that they, the relationship partner, is showing up with parts of their own. And considering how traumatized motherfuckers primarily bond with other traumatized motherfuckers, that means a lot of unhealed childhood wounds, points of self-hatred, and poor senses of self slamming up against each other, triggering repressed and proactive, protective parts to the forefront for both partners, locking them in personal hellscapes as their early traumas are ripped wide open and recreated between each other. A nice light topic as we move into June, huh? Yeah, well, we're going to do our best to provide therapeutic remedies to these relational trauma mishaps, including how to disarm your protector parts, safely reveal your exiles, engage in compassionate listening, and use nonviolent communication to circumvent defensive conversations and control tactics. But before we get to those external relational points, don't forget, it's critical to get into contact with your own internal pain points first. Know how they formed. Know what you're bringing to the relationship before you are shocked and alarmed. Seeing undesirable aspects of yourself exploding to the surface as your brain attempts to validate its oldest wounds through parental surrogates, 
and understand how your protective, wounded, and distracted parts relate to each other before they're creating helpless feeling cycles with another. Dive into the full research and community recordings on the topic over at patreon.com slash traumatized motherfuckers. I gotta say, and I don't say it often, it's a great month of shows. A lot of, uh, oh, fuck, that's me moments await. And also consider practicing revealing your repressed parts fear, self-judgments, and relationship misgivings in the private Discord group where everyone is working on doing the same. Mentoring each other and lessening the shame around unacceptable pieces of ourselves that, it turns out, a lot of fuckers hold, do accept, and have worked through on their own. Hit them up for support, advice, and safe disclosure. You're not alone, even in your fears of relationship. And if this episode or podcast stream so far has explained something notable to you about the mystery of your relationship history and resulting distress, I'd appreciate your support through Patreon, Ko-fi, PayPal, or playing the ratings game. This project is all 100% possible thanks to community support. Help feed this motherfucker and share the message so the show can keep providing real, applicable, unfucking fluffy CPTSD information around the world. Every action helps. And thanks for being here. That action counts too. Thanks for learning about your brain confronting what's easier to ignore so that you can break the trauma cycle and create a better life for you and all your relationship partners. Internal vulnerability, intimacy, and trust, that takes bravery, grit, and the horrifying hope that what you've always needed is actually possible. Hail yourself Hail Archie, and cheers, y'all. Talk to you again soon. And I still believe that we're not that hopeless. We're not as fucked as you think in short moments. We can't do anything. We're fucking jokers. We're winning when you blink in short moments. Let's see what victory. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.